Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 373. You only know if you have something of value to your end customer by testing it and seeing if there is a market for it. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thank you so much for joining me today. Before we get into the show, I have a quick message for you. As a handmade product maker, you make the most beautiful, delicious, and life-enhancing products. I'm honestly so impressed with your talent, and you always put a smile on my face when I see your newest creations. I'm always watching, and I'm also always listening. Let me back up here for a second. In our Facebook group, Gift Biz Breeze, I asked you a while back what you need help with the most right now, and you totally surprised me. It wasn't email marketing strategy. It wasn't doing video or any number of topics that make up a solid growing business. Nope, what you are asking for help with is social media posting. What you've told me is you're putting in the time, you're posting frequently, maybe even several times a day, and you're discouraged because you aren't seeing any of this move the needle for your sales. I hear your frustration. Some of you have even told me you're at the point of throwing in the towel on social media altogether. Wait, please don't do that. Here's the thing. Some adjustments are needed. That's all. You see, putting in more time posting the same way isn't going to magically bring in sales. You need to change the way you're posting and what you're posting. You don't need to put in more work. You need to put in the right work. And that's when things will change. So based on all of your comments, I decided to create your solution. It's called Content for Makers and is specifically created for handmade product makers like you. Because when you get your posting strategy and topics right, everything else falls into place. Content for Makers will enlighten you as to why your current social media activities aren't converting into sales. It will also show you how to put in less time and start seeing activity that will lead to increased sales. Just imagine a day when you know exactly what to post and get it done in five minutes or less. Then you can interact with your potential clients, deepen relationships with those you already know, And all of this continues to build upon itself naturally. Yes, this really is possible. Content for Makers includes a step-by-step strategy to formulate your unique plan based on your products and your business. Then you'll get 375 social media prompts. That's over a full year of ideas. Along with the 375 prompts also come 375 image suggestions, so you're not left hanging on the creative. These prompts and image suggestions can be used for all platforms and all types of posting, too. Images, live streaming, reels, even email topics. There's more to Content for Makers, too. To see all the details, jump over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. But honestly, at only $27, it's a no-brainer. Plus, you only have to buy it once for use year after year. Why carry on posting as you've been doing all along, expecting to see different results? Sign up for Content for Makers now and see the transformation of your posting experience change right before your very eyes. Giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash content for makers. Ready and waiting for your immediate access right now. Today, I have another great topic coming your way. I've had a lot of great topics from our guests lately, if I don't say so myself. 
Did you hear the one on quizzes for product-based businesses? I've gotten so many messages from you on that one, and I bet today's will be the same. So let me ask you, have you ever given thought to how sustainable your products are? Of course, you talk about the benefits of your products for your customers, like containing only healthy or all-natural ingredients. But how about what they do to support the environment? These are two different things, and they don't automatically go hand in hand. I've learned so much through this conversation, and I'm pretty sure you will too. Things I never considered before, like the various ways a product can affect our world. Austin will share with us five different, what he calls dimensions, of product impact. There's no doubt this is becoming more and more of a topic, no matter where you fall on the global warming discussion. So being informed is just smart, and using it to strengthen your business and do the earth some good is even better. Without any more from me, let's get right into this enlightening conversation. Today, we are going to get to know Austin Sims. After more than 20 years spent working at major corporations like Nike, Philips, and Brooks Running, Austin had a desire to use his skills to address climate change. Austin believes that putting the power in consumers' hands is important to make real change. He recognizes that the first thing that consumers need is access to information to make better decisions. That's why he co-founded Dayrise in 2019, to make impact assessment transparent for businesses and consumers. Austin believes commerce and sustainability are linked, and business needs to be a major catalyst for addressing climate change. Austin, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thanks, Sue. Pleasure to be here. I am really interested in diving into this topic. We've never addressed it before, and I see some huge application for our listeners. So we're going to get to that in half a second, but I do have a traditional question here for you, Austin, that I'm going to ask you to answer. If you could share with us in a little bit of a different way, more of a creative way, I'll say, how would you describe your perfect motivational candle? Thanks, Sue. My perfect motivational candle is, well, I think in terms of color, it's yellow because I think that's the most joyful color. And I think I'm always glass half full solutions, forward looking, what can we do? So yellow, I think, is the color. And I think maybe as a motivational saying, I think the one that's maybe has sat with me the longest and maybe I revert back to is jump and the net will appear. In that, just take a chance, push forward, make a decision, and maybe you don't know the outcome of it, but if you have enough confidence and you've thought it through, you'll find a path. So I think the ability to make a leap and have confidence that the rest will be figured out as you make that leap is something that really motivates me. I love that. And so important because we can sit and think forever, but until you actually do something, to your point, make a leap, you're never going to know. But it's hard to make that leap initially because you're jumping into unknown. I think it takes a special type of person or maybe just that special type of mindset to be able to do it. Um, But I think that's where the energy comes from is if we all had certain outcomes and everything that we would do, life would be a little bit too predictable and boring. I think by taking that chance and when there is an unknown at the end of it, I think that's the excitement and that's the energy. And when we're still a startup, and I know a lot of your listeners are in the startup mode, so we're still sort of in between starting up and scaling up. So there's still a lot of unknowns in our business. And I think that's the intensity and the energy that we get each day. So it comes with a little bit of complexity, but I think it comes with high energy at the same time. Agreed. And also that you're not going to necessarily get it absolutely 100% perfect right out of the gate. You know, I think so many people think, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. What if I'm not doing this right? It's more important to start and figure it out and make adjustments along the way versus waiting, learning forever until you think you're going to get it right. Because you really never do. Yeah, exactly. We've already been with, through one full pivot. So we started in 2019. So we're only three years old and we've already pivoted our business. I won't say 180 degrees, but certainly 90 degrees. And we had a separate piece that was a big part of it. So I think you're exactly right. You will never get it right first time. And the market will tell you whether you're right or wrong. That's the great thing with product market fit. 
You only know if you have something of value to your end customer by testing it and seeing if there is a market for it. And they'll let you know very quickly. And I think being able to listen to that and being flexible enough to adapt to that is one of the ingredients for success. Yeah. My listeners are very familiar with that concept because I talk a lot about, especially when you're starting, that you may make the most beautiful candles in the world. I'm just going to stick with candles here. But until you actually test it out and see if your customer, not other people's customers who have candle companies, but your customer is going to like what you're making, it can be beautiful and you can love it. But if they're not willing to buy it, it doesn't help. So you've got to actually test everything. And markets change along the way, too. So there's always room for adjustments. I think it's a Thomas Jefferson quote to give some American bona fides to me. And if I forget this right, he said, in matters of principle, stand like a rock. And in matters of taste, swim with the stream. And I think that's the great thing of you want to make sure that you listen to your customer and sort of adapt to what they need. But you also want to make sure that you stick with your values and your principles at the same time. So getting that balance right of knowing what's a principle of yours that you don't want to give up and it's very important to you and knowing what is something that's more taste driven that you need to adapt getting the decision making right on both of those is really important makes sense yeah that's food for thought for sure so you made a leap out of multiple very successful corporate careers talk us through how you did that and how you came to day rise yeah, so mostly stage of life for me. I've got two kids at home. I've got two basically Greta Thunbergs at home that constantly <laughs> remind me that we're not leaving a great planet in great shape for them. So that's a good reminder. And I was actually, how day I started was I was on holiday with a friend of mine who's now my co-founder and we were actually, our kids were playing in the swimming pool and on this floating device and we got into a huge debate about whether that floating device was sustainable or not. And so that debate raged for a while and then we realised that we had no way of actually knowing if it was sustainable or not. There was no objective measure. We were just arguing our points of view. So I think that really unlocked a path for us of, well, if we don't know, then no one knows. How do we help actually unlock that? So I think I got into it based on stage of life, wanting to, having had a career in more of the corporate world, wanting to turn that to something good. And there was a, just a moment in time where there was some great clarity for me in terms of where the gap was and having worked in consumer marketing and communication for a long time, how can we actually unlock that transparency for consumers to put the power in the consumer's hand? So sort of it, it was building towards that, but there was that sort of one moment, almost like an aha moment when I was away and sort of figured out what our role and what our path could be. I think that's so important because we do vote with our dollars, right? So people who really want to help impact climate change with through our purchases haven't had a method of doing that. I mean, companies can say one thing, but I love this idea of the ranking, and I know we're going to get into that a little bit later, but that makes so much sense to me. So you had this light bulb moment, let's say, and did you leave your corporate job? Did you merge into this or how did that all happen? Yeah, so we had an idea and obviously we spent some time honing it and sort of figuring out, okay, how do we turn it into just a thought, into something that has structure and a bit of direction? And one thing we realized was between the two of us as founders, we didn't have the skill sets, all the skill sets required to make this a success. So one of the skill sets we were missing was how do we create something that is a technology that actually understands sustainability and the complexity and the nuances of it and can automate that. And so we found a partner that can do that for us. That's a lady called Ava Gladick, who's actually CEO of a, of a big sustainability company in Europe. And then we actually, at the time, we were actually trying to turn it into an e-commerce marketplace. Um, we've now moved away from that, but and that was the pivot that I spoke about earlier. And so we actually wanted someone with e-commerce skills. So that was the first thing that we did was realize we didn't have the right skill sets or enough of the right skill sets. So we actually brought in the founders team to get the right skill sets on board. And that probably took us about six months to do that and sort of work through all of that. And then I left my corporate job and we started Day Rise. So, yeah, so we didn't leave straight away. There was a little bit of sort of setup work to make sure that we felt like there was enough of a business plan underneath it and that we had the right people that could actually make it a success. And then we jumped in. Makes so much sense. And now looking at your website, I did a little snooping before we got on today. So I had some questions to ask you, but I was really impressed by the team you've developed. You have quite a few professional people who are they giving input? Are they the board members? Like who are those people that I'm seeing on your website? So that's our team. There's like how many? 20 people there, maybe something like that? Yeah, there's about 15 of us at okay. the moment. Mm hmm. 
And I guess in full transparency, we were a bigger team about six months ago. And again, going back to that pivot, we have this technology that we'll talk about that actually directs the sustainability. And we had a marketplace and we're bringing that to life on the marketplace. But we realized that the marketplace wasn't actually where the demand was for the technology. So we actually shut down the marketplace and just fully focus now on the scoring or sustainability technology. But that was really difficult because we'd had people working in the business for two years that we were very close to. And because we made that pivot, we had to shrink the team. So we lost about 10 people sort of about six months ago. So that's part of the pain as a startup and that pivot. So now we're down to 15 people and they're mostly across technology and sales, the two major functions that we have. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Okay. All right. So let's dive into the topic at hand, shall we? And to ground everybody, let's talk about sustainability and what that is, what that actually means. Yeah, a real issue with the term sustainability, only because I think it's so overused now. It's become misused and overused, and it's quite opaque in terms of what it actually means. And we talk a lot about greenwashing, and there is a lot of greenwashing out there. But my view on that is a lot of the greenwashing actually happens not through bad intent. It's just people don't know. It's just a lack of transparency and a lack of information. So we're a solutions-based company, and we want to help people on their sustainability journey. And we do that by providing a level of transparency. So what we actually measure is impact. So we, we talk more about impact than sustainability. So how do we measure the environmental and social impact of products and give that transparency? so that brands, producers like the people that listen to your podcast can actually understand where their impact is and then translate that into consumer-facing tools as well. Okay. So we would look at, for our listeners who are handmade product creators, we are then looking at the different parts of the product that we make and the impact that they have in the environment and consequently the product that we're putting out, out, the total product's impact on the environment and possibly places where we could make some changes, make some adjustments to have, I'm using your words, higher impact or being more sustainable or environmentally friendly, I guess I would say. Yeah, exactly that. So zoom out a little bit so that there is a way so we don't have the information for consumers. That's where it started, as I said. We said, how do we solve it so consumers can make better informed decisions? When we sort of pulled on that thread and sort of tried to figure out why there wasn't enough information for consumers, it's because most brands, in fact, every brand that we work with, and we work with over 500 brands, don't have all the information through their supply chain. So there's a lot of unknowns, and that might be less for your actual listeners if they're making them by hand. And that's really exciting because the more you actually understand about your supply chain, the better score you generally get. So we then collect them to actually score the products. We actually collect the information from the brands and we have a very holistic view of how we measure a product. And we actually measure the impact of a product against five dimensions of sustainability. So the first one is climate impact. And that's the one that we all generally know. That's about carbon primarily. So how much carbon is used to actually create your product? And that's in the sourcing of the materials, in the manufacturing of the products and how it gets distributed. So what's the total footprint of the carbon and how do we break that down through those three steps so you know exactly where the carbon is? Okay, question. I've got to pop in my questions or I'm going to forget. (laughs) So, for example, if somebody is sourcing product from overseas, let's say, that would have a greater carbon imprint than if they're sourcing locally? Well, it depends. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. In terms of those three things that I talked about, so the sourcing, manufacturing, and distribution, certainly from a distribution or logistics point of view, it would have a higher footprint because obviously you're using carbon to move it from one one place to another. But if you're actually taking it from, let's just say you're sourcing cotton and the cotton that you're getting from India is a lot lower carbon impact than the cotton that you're sourcing locally, then it actually might be a lower footprint, even though that cotton has to come from India to get to you in the United States it could actually net result be a lower impact because the actual sourcing of that cotton is a higher um, impact on cotton than the actual logistics of it. So it's not as easy to say that just because the source material needs to travel further that it's a higher impact. You really need to look into the complexities of how that actually that raw material is sourced because that needs to factor into it as well. And that's the complexity that we can actually build into it through the technology that we've got. All right. That's very interesting because you would just automatically assume that if it goes shorter distances, it's a lighter carbon footprint. And that's not necessarily the case because a lot of people will claim that everything's sourced locally, better for the environment. And what you're saying is maybe yes, maybe no. Yeah. I mean, there's a good example here where we did some work recently. There's apples here in the Netherlands that come from New Zealand. 
that have a lower carbon footprint than apples that are grown in the Netherlands not far away from here. So that is part of the issue with sustainability is it is so nuanced and complex it can become overwhelming. And we've tried to simplify that through technology to say, okay, you just need to give us the information of where it comes from and where it's going to and what sort of material it is. And we can then start to do those calculations for you to make it easy for you to understand it. Ooh, I'm getting really excited about this. Okay. All right. So the first one is climate impact. And you say there's five dimensions, right? Yep. So that's that's climate. The second one is ecosystem impact. So that basically measures what's the impact across the biodiversity of how you create the product. So when you're actually sourcing raw materials, for example, how is that impacting the biodiversity around there when you source it? And then how much fresh water is used to create that product? So that becomes really important to measure how much impact is it having on the environment? And we can assess that for you depending on where you're sourcing the product from. The third one, which I think is really interesting for your listeners as well, is the circularity of the product. So when you're making a product, how much of the materials you're using are reused, recycled or refurbished versus virgin materials, knowing that obviously by recycling materials or refurbishing materials, we're putting less of a strain on the Earth's natural resources. And also when the product is end of life, how do you end of life? Is there a take back scheme? Can you repair it? Or when, if it needs to, if it is at its end of life, how easy is it for those raw materials then to be reused as well? So we look at that end to end, the circularity of the product, of how circular it is and how much pressure it's putting on the earth's natural resources. Okay, so let me ask you a question here. I know I keep interrupting you. I hope that doesn't irritate you. Okay, so we have a number of people who listen here who part of the interaction with their customers is a program where, let's say, pampering products like lotions or sugar scrubs, things like that, where when they're done, they can return the container that the product came in and they get a discount on their future order because they can then reuse those containers. Would that fit into this dimension of circularity? Totally, it would. That's awesome. One thing I didn't say is we actually, for each of these elements, we look at the impact of the product itself and the packaging. And then we combine them, but also separate them. So you understand what your overall impact is, but also how much of your impact is coming from your actual the production of your products, how much is coming from your packaging. If you do have what we would call consumable products, so where something you sell it and the product is fully consumed, and then if you have a take-back scheme that actually takes that packaging back and can be reused, that's a fantastic way you get a very high score for circularity on that. Okay, so for all our bakers, you know, or anyone who's making something that you're eating, that already in this particular dimension of circularity would get a good score. Absolutely, yeah. And health and beauty products where you actually use the cream and then send it back. Mm-hmm. Anything like that would, would score very well. Ooh, okay. All right, got it. Cool. So they're the three ones that and I talked about environmental and social impact. So they're the three environmental impacts. We also look at social impact. So how are people treated through the supply chain when you're producing the product? And again, I think that's super interesting for your listeners. So for the bigger companies, we're looking at obviously the factories they're using to create their products and are they using fair pay? Is there gender equality? All these types of triggers to make sure that the people a sustainable product isn't just the environment, but it needs to be made sustainably and needs to be supporting people sustainably. And I think that's interesting if, if you have a real visibility on your supply chain, if you're sort of a smaller supplier and you actually even make it yourself or, or know where that's made, you can get a very, very high score for that. Interesting. Okay. All right. Would it hold true that if you're using a factory, for example, in China, your score here might be a little lower? Yeah, it depends where, like this is done on a regional basis. Um, mm -hmm. So we do it in two ways with this. If you have third-party authentication, uh, that's sort of, if, you, or if it's been an audit of that factory and it meets the certain benchmarks, then, mm -hmm. then you can still score reasonably well. But in the absence of that, we take a risk-based approach. So we know based on the different regions of the different countries, there's various risk levels of, I guess, you know, not having fair pay or not having gender equality, and then we apply a risk to that. So it's not always the case that China is bad. Obviously, it's a riskier proposition because there is more bad practices there. So if you can provide third-party documentation that proves that there's good practices, then you can still score well. But if you can't provide that, then generally you will score less well because there is some bad practice in China that we need to be alerted to. Okay. All right. Interesting. Okay. And what's the name of that dimension? I don't think I caught that. Yes, sorry. Livelihoods and well-being is what we call. So that's the fourth dimension, livelihoods and well-being. Okay. And then the fifth dimension, which is a little bit harder to quantify, but we feel is really important, is the purpose of the product. 
So what's the actual purpose of the product? So we're all consuming things and consumption in itself isn't necessarily bad. We just need to not overconsume, And we need to make sure that we're diverting the earth's resources into areas that are of highest value to us as consumers. So if you're creating a product that has a high purpose, such as clothing, such as shelter, these types of things. So we've almost got an extended Maslow's hierarchy of needs to sort of judge what the overall purpose of the product is. And then we take all five of those dimensions and they're equally weighted to come up with a score that gives you an overall sustainability score. Okay, that is so cool. Well, first off, I'm going to say that all of my listeners' products are high value on purpose. <laughs> they rank so high. <laughs> okay, so all five of these come together and then you get an overall score. And just for everybody to kind of get this, I was looking on the website and you know how you can do like your credit scores. You can go to, you know, all the different sites and they show you a circle with a range and a number. That's kind of how it looks like here with Dayrise too. You get a number. And what's the perfect number? How how high can a number go? Yeah, so the score is out of 100, out of 100, so 100 being good to so the higher the score the better. Mhm. And then as you're looking at the website, you'll see that the you, you get a score and then you actually get that score out of 100 and you get a comparison to other products in your category. So it's benchmarked against other products in your category. So you get a good sense of where you are. And then you get a breakdown of that score over those five dimensions that I spoke about. So how do you actually get to that overall score of 100? You get a breakdown of that. And then, then what's really interesting for your listeners is then you get a report on each of those dimensions. So climate impact, ecosystem impact, circularity, livelihoods and well-being and purpose. You get a full report for each of those dimensions that shows you exactly where your impact is, product versus packaging, really detailed about you know, where it is that you are doing really well and where it is that you potentially look for improvements and suggested improvements. So it's a really rich dashboard that you get for each of your products where you can really explore these reports, really get a breakdown of that impact and, and a level of visibility that you have haven't been able to get before. And then as part of that, obviously, there's the consumer, which is the exciting part as well, where you can actually take a simplified version of your score report that's more consumer friendly and then export that either into your direct-to-consumer channels, into your social media. Uh, if you're working with retailers, you can also export it to the retail site and then you can really start to verify your sustainability story to your end consumer. You're giving credibility versus just making a statement exactly. about your product in general as a category. You're talking about your product specifically that you've made. Exactly. Yeah. So this is this is it's almost like an independent verification and assessment of your product. Yes. Yes. Okay. And so when your product is benchmarked, it's benchmarked then against other similar products who have gone through your process because it has to match against what you're looking at, right? Exactly. So we do actually do two things. One is exactly that, which is in your category, other products that we scored where you sit and that. Um, so what's the average and where do you sit versus that average? But the other thing we, we do with the products is we have, there's actually, it's not our database, the global database that anyone can access that actually has a standardized measurement of impact across every single product category. So from candles to jump to sweaters to computers, like what's the standard impact measurement? And we also do a comparison of your product versus that standard. So we do a benchmark against our own database, but also against sort of the, the global database standard impact. And you also get that as a measurement too. That's really quite powerful, particularly when you start to tell that story to consumers. If you can, if you are sort of a, a lower impact than the standard impact, it becomes a really powerful story to tell to consumers. Yes. All right. So I want to talk to everybody who's listening right now. You know how we talk about having something that separates you from everybody else who does what you do. Let's just stick with candles since we started there. And you guys know that's my favorite product ever in the whole world. But if you are a candle maker, whether it's soy candles, whatever, and you were to get your score here and then started talking about it in social media or on your website because you've gotten your number from Austin, you know how it compares against other candles, even other candles in your category, that is a point of separation for you. That is what I term a unique special power because you are showing the impact that your products have on the environment, given that it's good. <laughs> you know, if you, if you get a lower score, then there are maybe some things that you would want to adjust. But this then is a new story that you can be talking about with potential followers. And everybody, I mean, I, Austin, it's worldwide. Everybody is interested in knowing that what they're purchasing is having a positive impact, or I'll go the other way, not negatively impacting the environment. It's a huge deal right now. Yeah, totally. I think that's completely true. 
Um, I think the, the 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 use case of this of using it to go to retailers to get distribution, I think, is also a really big one. We're working with one of the big big US retailers at the moment, and their first use case for this is actually to use it in range reviews, and they're actually giving their buyers now not just targets in terms of KPIs of you know price ranges and profitability, but an impact range as well. And they need to start using this tool to actually only buy products that are within a certain impact range. So they're getting impact budgets. I think that's a really interesting use case. But mm-hmm. for your listeners, they can almost reverse that and start to use this, as you say, as a really unique selling point to consumers, but also to retailers to say, hey, every consumer wants something that's more sustainable. Look at this great score that I've got. You know, you should range our product. Yeah, for wholesale accounts, absolutely. And not many people are talking about it, really, you know, especially on a smaller scale, like the independent producers like we are. So this could, again, be a huge, huge advantage for you. So before we go any further, because I know this is a question that everyone's thinking in their mind, how affordable is this if someone would be interested in doing this for their product? Is this like thousands and thousands of dollars? So I talked about the life cycle assessment, which is a standard way of measuring impact. That's like $30,000 for one product to actually get a life cycle assessment done. And so even the big brands don't do it because it's, it becomes way too expensive and time consuming and it's got a limited use case. What we're trying to do is democratize sustainability. We're trying to make it accessible for anyone, whether it's big businesses or small businesses, and obviously ultimately for consumers. So we've deliberately priced it in a way that makes it accessible for big brands and small brands. Because obviously big brands that we're working with have tens of thousands of products. So there's the multiplier effect. And then there's obviously small brands. So it's actually, because it's a software service, it's actually $65 per product to have it scored. And that's an annual subscription. For that, you get the five reports that I mentioned. So across the five different dimensions, you get access to the consumer widget and can use that number. So you have your own dashboard. So it's only $65 per product as an annual subscription. And that needs to get renewed each year because we actually update our methodology each year because we, we want to make sure that we're using the latest in sustainable science. So we've deliberately priced it in a way that makes it really approachable and really affordable for any size business to use. Super affordable, Austin. Okay, so everyone can keep listening because you can afford this for sure, even if you don't do all your products right away. So, exactly. all right, so it's an annual subscription. So, what do you do? Just go sign up and then you pay by product that you're analyzing? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Easy, easy. All right, yeah. so let's pretend I've created a subscription and I make candles. When I go in there, what information do I have to have on my end to be able to get a score? What types of information do I need to share? You'll get the answer to this question right after a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How, you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Yeah, so once you signed up, actually have access to the portal there's a survey that you need to fill in so it's an online survey that it's it's really it's like a survey wizard in that it adapts the answers that you give to actually adapt to what you're doing and we break the survey up into nine different sections but the major ones are you need to know what your materials are so you need to, what, what are you making your product of? A split between the different materials. The weights are really important. So what weights are, you know, if you're using, if you are making a candle to use, to, to continue with that analogy, what's, what are the materials that go into it? And if, a, if it's a certain weight, what percentage or what in, in grams are you actually using? That's a really important one. Okay. And so that, you guys, you know how we talk about pricing and how you're going to build up your price? You should already know all of that because you know how much material you're using for each individual product. 
you need to know where it comes from, those materials. So if you're sourcing your materials from India versus Bangladesh or the US or Canada, that's important for multiple reasons, obviously, because when we know where it's coming from, both in terms of the sourcing and the manufacturing, then we can then start to really accurately approximate the impact. And that's at a sourcing, manufacturing and distribution level. So the materials and what you're using in the weights, but importantly, where those materials are actually coming from. But what if we're buying from a supplier? Like on the retail side, let's say, what if they're buying from a local retail shop because they're just starting? Or then they go wholesale and they're buying from a supplier who sells candle supplies. So they sell the waxes and the materials and all of that. Do you go back to them and ask them where it's being sourced from? Yeah. To to get an accurate score, you need to go back and ask that question. And they'll have that information. That's an easy way. We haven't had any instances of brands not being able to access that information. So just go back to where you're sourcing it from. If you're not sourcing it in its raw form, if it is somewhat made already, then just go back to where you're sourcing it from and they'll be able to tell you exactly where they get it from. And that's really important to make sure that we give you an accurate score. Do you have a database that says This type of wax supplied by this name company is sourced from. Do you have any of that like established data already? Not at a company level, but what what we're able to say is if you're sourcing wax from this region uh, Mm -hmm. of the world, Mm -hmm. um, we can actually start to go, okay, the the impact of that would be this because we know the impact on the general biodiversity there, the carbon footprint from there. So we don't know at a company level, but we know where you can tell us the region where it comes from. That's where our tool takes over. And that's where the technology is really important to be able to then start to approximate with a high degree of accuracy what that impact is. Okay. All right. And that's information. It might take a little bit of legwork, but that's not hard information to get. Yeah, that's generally accessible. And then how the product is made, who makes it. You know, I'm sure a lot of yours will be handmade. Likely it is really good. But if it's not, where is it actually? Where's the finished product actually put together? And then information about that in terms of is there, are there any certifications that that factory has? If not, then if you just tell us where that factory is and what it's making, again, then the technology takes over. It can estimate that impact with a high degree of accuracy. Got it. And oh my gosh, you're right. This is something that we would never really be able to acquire on our own. Because how would we know any of that with products made at all the various places? And so then you take all of the parts of my candle, because I have now supplied you with all of that information, and that's where your software takes over. You merge all of that data together, and that then gives us a score. Exactly. The technology works in two ways. The first one is no brand. We're working with massive multinational brands and, and very small brands, but no brand has the all the information that is in the survey. No, no brand has it because it's really not, not so much impossible to get, but it's difficult to get. So the first way the technology works is the parts that you don't have information on. The technology can draw upon, we've got 31 different databases that we call upon. Some of them are proprietary that we've developed. Some of them are external. But the first way the technology goes, okay, you're missing this piece of information, but we know these three other pieces of information. So we can fill that in with a high degree of accuracy. So if you don't have all the information, you can still get an assessment because the technology can fill in the gaps. That's the first way that it works. Once we have all those data points, then the algorithm goes to work and actually assesses all those data points across those five dimensions of sustainability that I talked about and gives you a score for each category, gives you the overall score and automates the reports that you get on your dashboard that then give you a really detailed breakdown of where your impact is and then actually starts to make recommendations of how you can reduce that impact. But that's the second way the technology works and that's all automated from our side. And all of that, I'm feeling, is something that can be used in social media for your brand, too. Oh, totally. You could even say, I've just started doing this with my products, and like I'm switching over a product because it's more, like you can take people on your journey with you. I was using this wax, now I'm switching over to this wax, and whatever the story behind it is, which again is going to endear people to you because you're caring about something that they also care about. That's a really important point because I think as I'm sure most of your listeners fall into the camp of they want to be more eco-conscious and most consumers do, but the barrier has been information. And I think that's what most consumers want. Yes, they want to buy products that, that score, score well, but more important than that, they just want transparency. They just want access to the information. And if you can take your consumers on that journey and say, look, we've just done this scoring, we did really well in this and not so good at this, and therefore we're making these changes, it's just that they, consumers love that transparency and honesty and you sort of helping, helping them go on that journey. 
Yeah. I love this. Okay, so we've talked about that. We've talked about how this is good to help you get placement in wholesale. How else can you give us a couple of examples about how your clients have been using this to increase their sales as well, other than what we've talked about already? Yeah, so the two benefits are cost reduction. So because impact is a cost. So once you know your impact, you can actually start to reduce the impact and reduce the cost. So it works at both ends. You can actually look look at ways you can reduce your impact and cost by actually having visibility to this information, which is really important. And then from a revenue side, I think we're seeing, as I talked about, increased ranging from partners. So actually being able to use this information to increase range. But we've also mostly anecdotal at this stage, to be honest. We're starting to see brands come back to us in their own direct-to-consumer channels where they're actually starting to increase conversion. So some brands that have the scoring on some products but not on others, um, we're starting to see case studies coming back where they're actually getting an increased conversion on those products that actually have a sustainability score to it. And I think that makes sense because I think consumers just love that level of transparency on Yes, for sure. So if I were to do two of my products, this I, I was subscribed and I did two of my products this year, made adjustments to the materials. If I make some adjustments, then I have to send that product through again with the adjustments, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then I get to the point where I'm really excited about my score. Maybe it happens right out of the shoot. Who knows, right? Because not all of this is obvious to the point about sourcing overseas versus sourcing here. It's not an obvious choice necessarily, but let's say I get to a score that I'm really happy about. I like how it compares against my industry, my product industry overall. Is that score then good for years in the future? Do I have to do it again every year? How solid is my score, my investment in my score? Yeah, so, so I should say that you can update your score at any time by updating your inputs. So if, if you score your product in May and then you make adjustments in July, you just go back in and put those adjustments in and your score will be updated. So there's no limit to how many times you can go into the, the your dashboard and update your score. Do you get charged again? Nope. Your subscription is for a year. So you, you, okay. you, can, you basically can update your score. You, you, your subscription is to get access to the technology in the dashboard. How many times you go back in there and actually update your materials or your sourcing or your information, That's you can do that as many times as you want to actually update your scores. Per product, per product within a calendar year. Per product within a calendar year. And then you can use it, obviously, in the following years just by paying that $65 subscription. So you can update as many times as you want during the year as you make changes to your product to optimize it. But you need to pay the annual subscription to continue to get access to those dashboards and use those assets in your consumer-facing or retailer-facing forms. Okay, let me clarify. If I make 10 different scents of candles, some of my materials change for each scent of candle. And potentially size of candle. So I'm going to start and I'm going to do three products right now. Okay. So I have my three products there. I get my scores. I make my adjustments. Those are only good for the individual size, the individual scent for those products that I scored on. I make adjustments. I get my scores. And now are you saying I can only promote and talk about that score while I have the subscription? Like what if my subscription, I'm asking you kind of two questions at the same time, but I think you're going to understand where I'm going with this. What if now my subscription ends? I already know my score for those three products, but I want to do more scents. I want to know my scores about other scents. So year two, I'm not doing those first three products. I want to do another three, four, ten products. Can I still promote the scores from that first year, even though they're not active on your site anymore? No. <laughs> okay. In a word, no. So yeah, because that's obviously what you're paying for. So you're getting a really accessible solution at $65 per product, but you need to review that each year to be able to leverage it. And what if someone were? Is that false representation? Yeah, so that's part of the contract that we sign is that okay. to be able to promote it, you need to have an active and up-to-date subscription. Mm-hmm. So, and we haven't had a case of that yet. It may happen in the future. We generally work with brands that want to do the right thing. So hopefully it's just going to be the fact that it's lapsed and they need to have a reminder. So you need to have be an active subscriber to be able to use the day school. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. And these questions are more for understanding than anything else. And honestly, for one product, making your money back at $65 should be a no-brainer, really. Totally. That's the model. Yeah. Okay. 
some other examples from past clients and what this has done for them, kind of a before after? Yeah, it's mostly those. It's retailer conversions to sell through, reducing their impact, but also reducing their costs and, and starting to see an, an increased conversion rate. The hard, the thing that we have, and we, we've only been live now for, let's call it eight or nine months. What we haven't been able to measure is the more of the intangibles, like brand resonance and, and brand impact. That's something mm-hmm. that we've got more longer term studies on. But there is a there is an immediate commercial return. I think most of your listeners, I think, will be able to almost get the benefit back just by being able to reduce their cost of their products and the impact of their products, let alone the revenue upside. So there's multiple ways that it can benefit from a commercial sense. Got it. Right. And you know what? Most of the people who are listening, if they're following what I'm suggesting, is, you know, they're a specialist in a certain type of a product. Unless you're a gift store where you have tons of products that you're carrying. But if you are a maker, then you are a specialist in candles or pampering products or baking. So it's not like you're going to have this huge, numerous skew of products that you would be having to analyze. So this feels very, very doable, Austin, for sure. And we also work with retailers too. So your manufacturers, but you know, we've got a couple of very big retailers that we work with. They then work back with the brands to get the scores because we ultimately we do need to get the information from the brands. But a lot of times retailers are our introduction to those brands because the retailers want their scores on their website for the retail store to be a point of difference. So it can actually work better at a retail and a brand level. Oh, interesting. Okay. And do you have anywhere, I'm thinking the answer is no, but do you have anywhere all the products that you've reviewed and people have given permission to show their scores, like any like master place? <laughs> we don't actually. It's a really good question. So we did have a marketplace that had all the products on it originally. But I think as what we found was the demand was coming from outside the marketplace from bigger brands that didn't necessarily want to be on a marketplace, but wanted to get access to the technology. So we don't, but we have, that is something that we've thought about doing is just having not a commercial place, but just a catalog of places where all the products we've scored are so consumers can find them. We don't have it at the moment, but it's a really good idea that we've talked about for sure. Well, it's only a thought as a consumer now, if I wanted to go and be able to get direct access to products that have, and people would have, and like I'm thinking if my product's scoring low, I wouldn't want it there yet. So it would be a permission-based thing, but that would also be a reason why, apart from my own needs, but to be able to get to want to be on that list, you know, I'm going to get it up kind of is another motivation to make your product as sustainable as possible. Yeah. And again, we're not in the business of naming and shaming brands. That's not our approach. No. We don't want to uh-uh. put brands up. We're really a support tool. We're a solutions-based tool. How can we help brands make better products that are less impactful? And how can we help consumers make better decisions? That's really at the core of our company. Absolutely. It is so exciting because finally now we can figure it out, especially on a level like we are here as makers. How would you have ever been able to come across that? You think you know, but some of our assumptions aren't necessarily accurate either. Now, not only can we know, but we can add a layer of credibility because we can have a score. I think that's amazing. So, all right, Austin, any final words for our listeners here? Yeah, my suggestion is just trial it, give it a go. I think, as you say, uh, depending on how big your range is, it doesn't need to be all your products, but I think if you can actually go through the product, we always talk about understanding, well, certainly for the bigger brands that we work with, but you really want to understand the, the process you go through, the outcome and how scalable it is. And so I think starting out by scoring a few products is a good way to understand it and then go from there. But just jump and the net will appear, give it a go with a few products and, and I'm sure you'll be happy with the results. Absolutely fabulous, Austin. And where would people go to learn more and to jump on the network? Yeah, so our website is dayrise.io. So that's dayrise with a Z. So dayrise.io. Or or just drop me an email directly at austin at dayrise.com. Perfect. And as you know, there'll be a show notes page that will give you all of the information. So if you didn't catch it here, definitely jump over to the show notes. And when you do this, let us know. If you're going to do your product, reach out. I want to know what you're doing. You don't have to tell me your score, um, but I'd really love feedback on this because I think it is so important and it gives us just another way to stand out in the crowd. So Austin, amazing product. I am so glad to know you now and I am so appreciative. You've given us so much information and I'm really excited about the future for you and for Dayrise. Thanks, Sue. It's been a real pleasure. One of the things I found most interesting is that the sourcing decisions you make that may seem harmful 
could actually be better than what you think would be the more eco-friendly alternatives. I'm thinking now specifically about when you source products overseas, which many of us do. I mean, even if you get your product elements locally through a wholesaler, many of them are still made in another country. And that may not be all bad. You just have to do your research to know. Another thing I really appreciated is to find that analyzing a few products is so affordable. It makes all the sense in the world to me to learn about the sustainability of at least one or two of the products that you create. Before you move on to your next activity today, make sure to get your name on the list for at least one Gift Biz Bash. You can see the dates and times for upcoming sessions and get signed up over at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash bash. And if you're enjoying the podcast and would like to show support, a rating and review would be wonderful. It helps spread the word about the show too, so it's a great way to pay it forward. There's also another way to get something tangible in exchange for your support. Visit my merch shop for a wide variety of inspirational items like mugs, journals, water bottles, and more featuring logos, images, and quotes to inspire you throughout your day. Makes a great gift, too. And we've just added some new products for the season. Which is my favorite design right now? It's a toss-up with that gorgeous lemonade image and a quote about refreshing and the beautiful butterfly design. What's yours? Turnaround is quick and the quality is top-notch. Nothing but the best for you. Take a look at all the options at giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash shop. All proceeds from these purchases helps me offset the costs of producing this podcast. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next time on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making my favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.